0: Welcome to Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we'll be discussing The Bad Batch, episode twelve, Rescue on Ryloth. Who is we? I'm Paul Hoppy, aka Zen Madman, and in the absence of Matthew, I'll be hosting today along with my co-hosts three, Sarah Enrique Hayashi of Clone Wars Podcasting Fame, and Jay Scotty Saint Clair of Animation Deliberation Podcast. We'll be discussing what happens when the episode title tells you exactly what's going to happen in the episode. (laughs) (laughs) But first, it's time for an ad that we have absolutely no control over. Welcome back. I'm joined, as I said before, by Sarah, Riki, and Jay Scotty. How's everybody doing today?
1: Yeah, hang, hanging in there, doing okay.
0: I've never watched Star
2: Wars so, so early in the day. That's not true. You watched
1: that <laughs> Bad Batch episode the last
2: time. Come on, I'm trying to do a thing. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's never watched Star Wars so
3: early in the day. Doing good, doing good over here. Always a good, good Friday when we can watch some Bad Batch and, and talk about it. So excited to be here with you folks to, to do just that.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Me too. Um, I watched it both very late and very early. Although I I only got through about like like halfway through when I realized I should probably come up with like an outline for this podcasting thing. I figure everybody has had enough experience being on these that like conversation will just kind of organically generate itself. But I thought like maybe let's start with the episode title. (laughs) Um, Does anybody have any feelings about like episode titles basically being like here's what's gonna happen in the episode?
1: Sometimes yes for this one because it was sort of a two-parter like we're continuing on from last episode where the Sindulas were imprisoned. I'm less bothered by it because like I don't know I if it was going to be the same episode they were going to go rescue them. If we were gonna like move on to a different episode I don't know the other stuff would have happened so it didn't it didn't upset me that much because it seemed like a bit of a foregone conclusion but i get where you're coming from
2: i think this is also a callback though to the clone wars episodes featuring Champsindula and the planet of ryloth because I, I believe the first one was liberation of ryloth and then it that followed like a couple more episodes that all mention the planet ryloth so that's just kind of like their pattern
3: it could be a more clever uh title i I will say that but at least it has the alliteration going for it i'll give it that rescue on ryloth has a kind of a nice ring to it that's true i'm i always
0: (laughs) appreciate a good alliteration it actually didn't bother me at all i just it 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 kind of stuck out to me i think in this series it bothers me less than it might in another show because this series is a prequel or an integral kind of series is like a you know, sequel to the the Clone Wars. I mean Clone Wars season eight, basically, right? But especially if you've seen Rebels, we know how some things work out. So I kind of actually sort of appreciate that they're like, hey, look, we're we're not really gonna jerk you around with suspense. Like we know you know kinda where some things are going. It's about the journey, really more than you know, and that's that's kind of how this show is for me, is I've I've really I don't know, I've been surprised how much I've enjoyed it. Like not super surprised, but like I wasn't expecting much out of it. And I'm like, oh, I like this show. It's a nice <laughs> show. Like. Um and and in terms of sort of the whole prequel nature of the series, I feel like this episode we actually did get a good amount of that sort of like the rise of the empire. And more specifically, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the feedback early because um uh, my outline is garbage so uh, <laughs> brian v klein said uh if could add some quick feedback i was pleased to see the regs finally standing up to the empire's treatment of the Twilax. definitely um and i'm gonna call him bowser in in honor of matthew because somebody has to get a, a name wrong somewhere no um so Bowser. <laughs> <Hauser>, um <laughs> i i thought that that was but that's that's at the end why don't we do an uh, an episode summary who would like to give us like a one, two, an untimed summary of the episode?
2: Uh, I'll go ahead. Um, so this, this is a continuation of the last episode where at the end of that we saw Cham Sindula, the Twi'lek freedom fighter, and his kind of cohorts captured by the Empire, by Admiral Rampart. And so it starts with them in prison and their daughter, Hera Syndulla, is out and free with her droid chopper. And they are trying to gather intel and work on freeing uh, the freedom fighters. So she reaches out to Omega, part of the Bad Batch, and um, makes contact and asks for help. They come to the planet. There's some talk about you know tactical situations, and they come up with a plan to attack the imperial refinery on the outskirts of the city to draw out uh, some forces, so that it leaves the main citadel in the middle of the city, free, to, uh, free for infiltration. And they end up freeing the freedom fighters and having a little showdown, as they said, with some clones, uh, as well as Crosshair, although they don't meet face-to-face. Um, everyone escape. The, the, the good folks escape, and then Crosshair gets permission from Admiral Rampart to go hunting for the Bad Batch, setting up probably like this final arc confrontation between those, those two.
0: All right, thank you for the summary. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like this is setting up that sort of, like, homestretch arc, right? Mm-hmm. With, like, Crosshair pursuing them across... Maybe there will be some other sort of, like, mini missions, but he'll probably be, like, chasing them in the background or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There, were, there was a line that kind of stuck out to me um, where, you know, the, the, the basis of the episode is kind of like, Hera, like, she tries to get the Bad Batch to help by talking to Omega, Right, who she kind of bonded with in the previous episode, right. and it seems like Hunter is kind of like, well, I don't know. There's a line where um, she says, where where Hunter says, we can't put ourselves on the line every time someone's in trouble, and she said, and Omega says, um, why not? Isn't that what soldiers do? Like, is that what soldiers do?
2: <laughs> I I knew I knew it. I even wrote that down because I knew Paul would have something to say about that. <laughs> Uh, i appreciate that (laughs) it's a very it's a very like idealized vision of soldiers right like Mm -hmm. that's what we want to think that they do and in the real world sadly it's not true right and it's it's unfortunate that it's not true um but yeah like in this fantasy setting like where the bad batch are nominally the heroes of this story it's a good line and i think it plays well But yeah, don't step too far back. (laughs)
0: Um, Yeah, I feel like that's what heroes do, right? Mm. And there's definitely in society a desire to view soldiers as heroes. And I think I won't get too deeply into it, but I do think that there is like a desire to be doing that. And it's just, you know, in that, but like the Empire has a lot of soldiers too, right? Mm -hmm. And. Maybe they're not all doing the best, uh, because the empire and, and, you know, so I guess, um, we, you know, kind of maybe are more apt to hold the empire responsible for that. But I think in this episode, we actually get a really interesting, um, look at that though, where, where Hauser is, you know, at the end of the episode is like, no, this isn't what I signed up for basically. I mean, Hauser's a clone soldier and so didn't actually sign up for anything. Right. But did work with I think with Champs and right? And with, with the the Twilight on 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 Ryloth, where the I mean the backstory of Ryloth in, in the clones wars is that it's it's a planet that gets taken over by the separatists, right? And it's oppressed by the Separatists. And so Champs and and others are these like freedom fighters who are trying to liberate the planet from the separatists, but then the Republic comes in and is like, oh well don't worry, we we've, we've got it covered now And he was naturally, he was skeptical of that, and then now they're the Empire.
2: Right, and so the senator from Ryloth, uh, Orn-Fritah, is a Twi'lek, but he spends most of his time on Coruscant and and is just kind of portrayed as one of these fat cat bureaucrats who makes a personal profit off of a situation and doesn't actually care about the rights and freedoms of his own people.
3: I was grateful we got the clarification there coming off the last episode. I know we were kind of wondering the attempted assassination attempt and then sure enough Admiral Rampart reveals to that dialogue he's he's going to make a full recovery so I'm glad they didn't leave us hanging in that regard.
1: Yeah I was I was actually super confused by that because at the end of the last episode when they arrest them for attempted assassination I was like well I guess you did point a blaster at Ta. like are you counting Mm -hmm. that as attempted assassination and they kept talking about it being an attempted assassination and I was like I mean, kind of, they did kind of, sort of attempt, I guess. And then, yeah, Rampart said something about, like, when they shot him. And I was like, mm. okay, but wouldn't that be an assassination, assassination? And then, then came the clarification <laughs> that, like, no, no, he's, he's still alive, it's okay.
2: It was a little confusing. Right. So at the end of the last episode, there's a confrontation where Cham Syndulla holding a gun, point a blaster, sorry, pointed at the senator um, and the Imperials, and then he chooses not to shoot the senator because his daughter Hera is watching, and he, and he wants to set a good example. But then the admiral, the Imperial Admiral, orders Crosshair, who is secretly hiding up in the cliffs, to open fire and shoot the senator. And they were—they're were trying to set up Cham right at, for this attempted assassination. And absolutely, like it was not clear at that at that point whether the senator was alive or not so it was it was a bit confusing there Mm
0: -hmm. for sure um yeah at the end of it I, I would have thought at first that they would like kill the senator because then it would be kind of a more compelling um you know story but on the other hand it seems like the senator is so willing to be complicit with them in you know their subjugation of of his planet he probably has a little more pull like they need you know one of the Twi'leks to be like, oh, we're fine, like, I'm doing this for all of you, and this is going to be the best for us, so, you know, maintaining, since he has actually been, you know, loyal to the Empire and is uh, influential, I think it makes sense to keep him alive, but it was certainly very vague at the end of the last episode, and, I mean, you could even say that it wasn't, like, Cham didn't actually attempt to assassinate, but he was, like, about to shoot him, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm going to shoot you, and it's like, oh, I guess I won't. But, like, you know, I mean, it seems like that's the sort of thing you could, you know, you could still arrest someone for. Like, you don't need any trumped-up charges. It's like, that's that's probably illegal. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, yeah, waving well, a blaster around at someone threatening to kill them. Like, that has to be... That's, that's something in it. Yeah, I feel like you definitely... If you weren't actually going to kill Ta, you probably could have done this. I mean, maybe a little bit more bloated and like well now you have to be in prison for life when maybe this wouldn't actually be the charge but yeah the, the getting crosshairs to non-lethally shoot ta seems a little bit like overkill but right i don't know yeah
2: i think they they needed to turn ta against cham like completely mm, uh, if, right. if we don't have that shot i think that leaves open the possibility that they could reconcile and work together But if Ta feels that Cham or one of his followers shot him, I think that cuts that tie pretty completely.
3: I was just going to say, on the subject of things that are are a little bit confusing, how are we feeling about Hauser? He was pretty quick to respond to Admiral Rampart when he asked him who was the one that that fired the shot. He says, I I don't know. He didn't really think about it. So I was wondering, he looked up at the cliffside in the previous episode. Did he see Crosshair? Because all across this episode, he and Crosshair had had kind of those like stealing glances mm. at each other. There felt like there was a rivalry, and even in the last episode, I kind of speculated that there might be conflict with them going forward. So, do you think Hauser knew that it was Crosshair, or just a strong suspicion? Or oh,
1: yeah, yeah I thought he knew and was just getting okay. like I don't know
2: a oh, I disagree. Oh, all right. yeah, okay. I don't, I don't think he knew. I think mean, part of it is just my understanding of crosshair and like his his role is that he's mm. a sniper and like he's got the dark darker armor so i mm-hmm. think he, he's very covert um i don't know i don't think there's much clear evidence one way or the other
3: sure sure that's fair
0: yeah i agree it's definitely something that can be implied or that we can try to infer what happened but it, it doesn't seem explicit in any way mm. uh i i I, my reading of the situation originally was kind of that, like, it was crosshair, and like, I, because they showed us so clearly, I kind of didn't think about the fact that the characters down on the ground wouldn't have seen him so clearly, and that maybe the senator would think that it was one of Cham's, um, fighters, Mm. right, Mm. and that that might actually be a convincing story. It's like, well, of course it was crosshair, but it's like, oh, well, well, maybe not, I mean... Like, it's a really good point. He's a sniper. He's in darker armor. He's hiding. Like, he probably knows how to take a shot and then disappear, right? So, For sure. uh, I, I, I think I agree with Riki in terms of, like, my how I see it now. But at the time, I definitely thought that kind of, like, everybody knew. But now I'm like, oh, why would they, though? Mm. So, I don't know. I guess we'll see, right? Uh, but I definitely also felt that tension between uh, Hauser and, and Crosshair. Certainly. And, and thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah. Right up to the end, I mean...
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting, because, right, like, Hauser still ostensibly has his chip in place, but it's right. at, like, normal Order 66, like, only functioning level, right? So he still mm-hmm. has, he doesn't have the sort of ultimate compliance the way that Crosshair kind of does, so, like, we still get to see his kind of underlying morals are, like, coming, coming through, which I think might also be, like, another point in the, uh, the column for, um, hearken as to why we need to move away from clone Mm. soldiers and like get real people but i mean i know clones
2: can be real well i think this has been this has been discussed on this podcast before by other folks but it's my personal belief that order 66 is specifically a jedi execution order Mm -hmm. and not a you will comply with everything that the empire tells you
3: yeah
1: yeah but the the, like enhancement of the chips seems to be to this like ultimate compliance. For,
2: like, yeah, crosshair. i I just think that that's crosshair. I right. think uh, they did turn it up a little, maybe. But he's also just an a hole and wants to <laughs> right. wants to shoot people.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's very yeah, true. yeah. Feels like it fits with a you know a sniper. Like your job is literally just to shoot and kill people. Yeah. Like there's no additional. You know, you're not doing an extraction. You're not, You're just like that person. I'm gonna shoot that person. And it did. I like the story better if it is basically just Crosshair's, like, execute Order 66, but beyond that, it's just Crosshair being Crosshair. If there is some agency beyond the kill the Jedi or don't kill the Jedi. And um, I I like that reading of it. I think it's abundantly unclear. (laughs) Uh, You know, like, they, they, they really haven't been explicit about that. Like, why would they be dialing up Crosshair's chip if the only point... Was to kill the Jedi, but... And then, like, why did Wrecker try to... Like, did Wrecker... Is it to kill the Jedi, but also kill anybody who opposes killing of the Jedi? Yeah. So, would Wrecker attack the rest of the Bad Batch because... um, Because they didn't kill Caleb?
1: Um, I don't know. It could be, like, he he seemed to think that they were, like, traitors. Right. Right. Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like I, I kind of agree with crosshairs just being a jerkwad. Like if you're so committed to shooting people that you get a tattoo over your eyeball, like you're you're in, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Bullseye. Right? Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like uh so so yeah, like um he like he's he's just a jerk, but there's also like they're really explicitly showing the scarring on the side of his head where he's had, like, the, the chip the surgery. Yeah, to sort of remind you that he has gone through this, like, augmented procedure. So I feel like there has to be something chip-related that's, like, turning up his jerkwad levels um, or, like, repressing his morals a little bit. I don't know. That's just me, though.
2: Well, I mean, so I, since pretty close to the beginning, I've been on the, I don't think there's a way back for Crosshair. Mm-hmm. And now the further we've gone in the story, I'm more convinced of that. You know, there's going to be a final confrontation. There's going to be some kind of moment where it's like, no, but you're our brother, Crosshair. Like, come back. And he's just going to be like, nah, I'm all in on the Empire.
3: I'm fully on board with you there, Ricky. And and that's the way I want it to go as well. But there have been a few moments throughout the series that have kind of made me go in the opposite direction. The first was, Mm. you know, on Bracca having Wrecker... Subcumb to the conditioning but then so quickly to have the resolution there made me think okay maybe there is hope for crosshair after all but it was actually this episode we talk about the rivalry with hauser there but that moment at the end where you know hauser came out and said brothers like what are we doing there was that look in crosshair's eye and i think he was reminded of the fact that they are his brothers. so as much as he's being set up to hunt Hmm. them down that shot at the the escaping vessel was not typical of his accuracy. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe there's something pulling at those very weak heart str- heartstrings there.
2: <laughs> I will admit I fully thought that Hauser was going to die. There oh, at the I did end. Too. I, th- I thought the crosshair <laughs> yeah, was going to shoot him
3: when he made did that speech. Okay.
2: So there there's a point that maybe he did not because somehow that speech got through to him.
0: Mhm. I agree. Yeah, I think there was a very interesting dynamic in this episode of sort of, you know, Crosshair and and Hunter and, um, like, they're kind of trying to outsmart each other and they do match wits, even though they don't, don't actually square off face-to-face. But I, I feel like with each of their interaction with Hauser, specifically around that at the end, where Hauser was like, no, I can't leave my squad, you know, I... I I have to give them a chance. Basically, um, that to me, Hunter's reaction to that sort of made me feel like Hunter wants to try and you know do something with with Crosshair. Try and try and get Crosshair out of the Empire and remove the chip or whatever. And. Um, you know, and then that's a really good point about Crosshair's reaction to Hauser. I totally thought Hauser was just going to get shot. And like, I was kind of ready to hate it. I was like, why are you going to stay and just get yourself shot? Like, come on. Like, you know, but like the fact that they just arrested him and, and that does kind of make sense. It's like, yeah, they are all brothers and it's like, they're not just going to shoot each other just because like, especially when You know, Hauser throws down his gun, right? He's not like, I'm against the Empire, and like, pointing his gun at everybody. He's like, I'm throwing down my arms, I'm not going to fight for this cause, who's with me? And then the people who are with him disarm themselves, so it's like, yeah, it seems like arresting them is like, the logical thing to do, if you're like, oh, you can't do that, like... Then maybe they'll have a trial, and then we'll have rescue on Ryloth, to, uh, part two, or I don't know, <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, and
1: especially, like, the fact that there were so many other uh, troopers who were with Hauser, and, like, threw down their yeah. weapons and agreed that they didn't want to... Like, if it was just Hauser, and he said, who's with me, and it was no one, then I think that the chances of Hauser being uh, shot, like, increased tremendously, but the fact certainly. that there were so right. many, yeah, that, that were yeah. with him, like... You mm. could shoot all of them, but right. at that point, just arresting them seems to make more yeah. sense.
2: But it also goes back to, I think you made a point earlier, Sarah, of like this transition to stormtroopers away from clone troopers. Mm-hmm. Like that, that many clone troopers chose to lay down their arms in this moment mm-hmm. maybe shows that they're overall morality is not what the Empire wants out of their soldiers. Well,
1: And their loyalty to each other, right? Like, if you just yeah. grab Randos from the street, they don't have this built-in lo- like, brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, the clones are all very loyal to each other. And maybe less so to the Emperor Empire. Mm. Emperor, yeah.
0: Both. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if if you're drawing soldiers from all these different parts of the galaxy, and you're having them fight, and then some of them rebel, it's like, well... I don't know you from whoever, but in this case, they're all literally related and there is some, you know, they all literally grew up in the same planet too, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this huge shared experience as well as, you know, genetics. And I think that, I, I feel like actually the shared experience is as important or more important than just like that they're clones of one another. You know, I mean they call each other brothers, but they also grew up under very controlled circumstances that are very similar to one another. And and I think that has a lot to do with kind of their, you know, emotional ties to one another. Yeah, yeah that's I agree
3: agreed.
0: Yeah. And siblinghood yeah. is such a strong
3: motif not only for this episode, but obviously for the series, but it's it's mirrored with uh, you know, the things that are going on with Hera and Omega and we've talked yeah. about on this this very cast how the family relationship within the Bad Batch it's almost like Hunter is the father and we call Wrecker Uncle Wrecker but we have to remember that they really are brothers and, and sister and just to mm-hmm. have Omega like reinforce that it, it kind of surprised me a little bit but it, it, it's so true and then Hera has that line like keep an eye on them like help them stay true because we, we talk about what do soldiers do soldiers are, are they're supposed to go in and rescue according to this show or whatever but they are very much still soldiers of fortune at this point in time and and it really seems like it's going to be Omega that is the, the heart and soul of this group and their, their moral compass. So really appreciated that aspect.
2: And we got that nice A-team moment where Hunter <laughs> refuses the payment. It's mm-hmm. like classic.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Um Speaking of Hera, does, uh, who's seen Rebels? Oh, yeah. I don't want to get too many spoilery. Mm. Yeah, so Sarah and Ricky have? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Yes, we have. You don't, okay. you don't have to worry about
3: spoiling for me. But if, if you don't want to spoil for, for the audience, I understand.
0: For the audience as well, who I think um, maybe... I, I don't know when you're planning on doing the, the the Rebels coverage, but I would imagine maybe right after the Bad Batch makes sense. What, obviously, people's schedules and everything. Yeah. But it you know it doesn't pick up right after the Bad Batch chronologically, but it is after the Bad Batch, chronologically. Hera is a character that we see a lot of in Rebels. Um, does Hera feel like Hera to you? And sort of, like, how how does, how does she feel in this episode, in the previous episode, compared to, like, in Rebels? And, um, you know, in terms of, like, her arc, like, where do you feel, how do you feel that fits in?
2: Well, it's, I believe there's about a 10-year gap from here to when Rebels starts. So this is, like, Teenage Hera, and we get Mm -hmm. an adult, you know, 20, maybe even 30 something Hera in Rebels. Uh, We get um, some background, you know, that she is a pilot by that point. So her love of uh, ships and wanting to be a pilot, her relationship with her father, Cham. um, I don't know. I, I think we get to see why she is in the rebellion or the pre rebellion. But not we don't get a fully realized picture of her and her father, I think, that is fleshed out in, in some storyline in Rebels.
1: Yeah, well, I think, I think we get a much better picture of Hera's relationship with Ryloth. Um, because, like, in, in, she's one of the main characters in Rebels, and she's off all over the galaxy fighting for the Rebellion. Um, and then, the yeah, there is a, 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 an episode where she comes back to Ryloth to, to fight, and she interacts with her dad and, like, she's lost her accent by the time of Rebels, but when she goes back to Ryloth, like, she regains it, which is, Mm. I mean, like, I pick up my Canadian accent again after spending a few hours talking with my family, so, like, I I get that, and it feels really honest, but, like, this idea of, like, she's, yeah, she's just a teen right now when things are going terribly, terribly, terribly wrong on Ryloth, right? Like, her parents are being imprisoned, The Empire is turning against them. So this, like, relationship with her home planet is being kind of destroyed right now. Um, And I think we get to see that quite a bit later in Rebels. Um, And so, yeah, like, I I think Hera feels like Hera, but a younger Hera. Yeah. Whereas, like, Chopper 100% feels like Chopper. (laughs) For for sure.
0: (laughs) For sure.
2: Code switching of accents, I think, is very important to her character. Um, mm-hmm. Just to clarify, most of the um, Twi'leks on Ryloth speak English with a French accent. Right. And I think that is a, a deliberate thing done by the creators to make us, to remind us of uh, Vichy France, which was mm-hmm. the occupied mm-hmm. portion of France during World War II. And they, they had a government, you know, France was still a country occupied by Germany, and there was this puppet government. And I think that we're supposed to think that Orn Frita is that, you know, kind of puppet Twi'lek who is submissive yeah. to the Empire, and then the the Freedom Fighters kind of represent
0: De Gaulle's forces.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah, it, when I... Oh, no, uh, Jay Scotty, you were going to say something, right? No, if
3: no, you've no. got a point to follow up on that, please. My point was much less eloquent. I was going to oh. talk about uh, having little exposure to, to Chopper.
1: But loving him so oh. much. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: When I watched this, the first episode of this arc, I was kind of, sort of taken aback by the accents, and I, I realize now though that's because I watched Rebels in Spanish, and oh, so yeah, yeah. if they were speaking Spanish with a French accent, my Spanish is not good enough to recognize that, and so here I was sort of like, oh, but then you know, hearing that point, I, I think um, Matthew or Jay Scotty, you made it last week about you know the sort of Vichy France and. Um I'm like, oh okay, I get it. and I can appreciate it. And then this episode I watched and I was like, alright, it, it makes sense. It you know I think if I'd seen those episodes of the Rebels in English and recognized that, I think here it, it would have you know uh, there's there's a lot of things that like when taking out of context, I mean Star Wars has not the best history of you know, accents being <laughs> yeah. represent you know, represented in, in uh particularly um in the Phantom Menace, I would say. Yeah. And so, you know, there was a part of me that kind of was like, mmm, kind of like bristled a little bit, you know. But seeing it as that clear of, of a, a sort of, you know, a metaphor or, or um, analogy, not analogy, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Like a Basically as an analog for that. Yeah, it, it, um, it, it, I think it really works. And I do feel like this episode did a good job of sort of taking Hera, like the first episode was sort of like, here's Hera a while ago. And then this episode felt sort of like, here's how Hera started to move in the direction of where she ended up where she was in, in Rebels, where she, she pilots a ship, you know? <laughs> she, um, she also, the I, I thought it was a little, you know, the like Hunter not wanting to do the thing and Omega being like, oh, let's do the thing. Like, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. But the fact that she sold him on it by being like, let's come up with a really good strategic plan And then he'll be like, okay, well, that's a good plan, so we'll do it. Um, I personally really appreciated that. And, like, in terms of strategic thinking, at least within, like, specific confines, children can really excel at an extraordinary level. Like, the best chess players in the world became amazing chess players as teenagers. Or, I think the most recent... Like, there's just been the youngest Grandmaster ever, like, a few weeks ago or something. Mm -hmm. And, And so the idea that they could come up with, you know, uh, and it was pretty straightforward, but it was like, yeah, she had knowledge of the planet. She knew kind of what was vulnerable cause, and she had been spying on it in the first episode mm-hmm. kind of like innocently, but it's like now it kind of, it kind of turns out, you know, to, to have been, um, effective. And I felt like everything did kind of come together really good in that, in that regard. And, and Chopper was of course delightful, mm. um, I've been feeling like this show is missing a droid protagonist for most of it. Like, I feel like my Star Wars experience involves having a droid of significance that feels like a character. You
1: don't think Gronk is a droid of significance?
0: Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not
3: yet, anyway. (laughs) Well, you guys are just piling on along with Hunter. Come
0: on now. (laughs) A little hope. (laughs) There was... I mean, I did think it was nice that, you know... Uh, was like, well, he's what defective or whatever, but yeah. like us or, you know, and, and that, that did make him feel more like part of the Bad Batch, although their like defectiveness is like, they're better than the other. Yeah, clones, they're so defective like you know. X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, like, if they
1: took him out on some missions, I think he could definitely become a droid of significance, but he just like <laughs> trash cans around on the ship. and yeah. Right. Gets, gets,
0: gets curled by, um, Wrecker. Yes.
2: So tell us about Chopper J. Scotty.
3: Oh, I was just going to say, I hadn't had much exposure to him, but I said in the last episode he has so much personality with the little arms and the the wub-wubs, and I love that he got to have his little covert operation where he was very effective, and uh, he was doing what he was supposed to do right up there until the end when it all fell apart. But, uh, yeah, just super endearing and and love to get exposed to these characters. It makes me want to go out and seek Rebels just to understand why. People get so excited to see these these characters make their appearances here.
1: Yeah. I mean, you absolutely should. Rebels is amazing. Chopper mm-hmm. Chopper might be my favorite character. Oh, wow. I feel like I've said this <laughs> about, like, everything I like. But, I mean, like, I love me a sassy droid. I, like, I, lo- I love R2-D2. And I feel like Chopper just, like, amplifies the sass by, like, tin. But it's also just like, ah. Oh, yeah, Chopper's great. Chopper's so endearing, like you are saying. And I'm really glad we got to see him be his, like, full-fledged self. Because, yeah, he, his character doesn't change a whole bunch in Rebels. And, I mean, like, he's an immortal droid. Why? Yeah, I mean, like, right. not that the droids Do- can't go through character development or anything like that. But his personality is already, like, fully fleshed out at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't have to be a teenager or a little kid. Like, he's exactly. a droid. It could be born or created, or it could be a thousand years old, we don't know. Yeah. I mean, there, is, there is a really good droid character arc in Rebels, I, w- I won't spoil it or anything, but that was one of the things I really enjoyed in the show. Hmm. Um, so definitely watch Rebels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Will yeah. do.
1: <laughs> and yeah, like I said, I think we are planning on doing a, a podcast about that probably after Bad Batch, but who knows.
3: Yeah, cool. Yeah, and I think I, that
0: makes sense.
2: One of the things I really love about Chopper is the decision that they made regarding his, I guess, language. Mm. You know, R2 mm. speaks, like, only in beeps and whistles that is, is incomprehensible, other than kind of the tone and what's, how C-3PO responds. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Chopper is, like, it's modified English, right? Like, you can almost make out those words sometimes, like, uh-oh or something. And, sure and, and yeah. so that I, yeah. I really like that because it helps us to learn that character better mm-hmm. and get to know them in a in a different way that isn't just other characters responding to the beeps and whistles
3: mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a totally fair point because it makes me think of that moment where harrow was kind of sulking after being initially rejected by hunter and he he has that vocalization like brr, 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 or whatever it was and it's like <laughs> you don't even need the subtitles to know that he's kind of ad- admonishing her a little bit, like, you're better than this, up. like, don't give up, like, yeah. you can make this happen, yeah, really good stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, like, I, I, I love R2's beeps and whistles, I like that you can sort of put in whatever dialogue your heart <laughs> desires into that, um, mm-hmm. but it does leave us with, like, if R2's just out on his own, yeah, it's the problem yeah, you're you right? <laughs> it's, like, he needs someone <laughs> to to, like, make pedantic comments and, like, kick him every once in a while Mm. um he he needs his 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 counterpart um or or
2: as we sometimes suspect 3po could just be interpreting incorrectly on purpose oh (laughs) like i've had that suspicion sometimes
1: Really, that's fair i don't know which is
2: why r2 gets even angrier with him (laughs)
0: <laughs> I just imagine R
1: two's just like constant curse words coming out of his
0: mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, like Topper, that's why it's all beeps.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like Chopper, you do get a really good sense of like what he's actually saying, like what the English equivalent of what he's saying is. And there's more, um, like I mean, R two has his like scream beeps when you know what that means. But yeah, there's just more um, range in his whoobs to <laughs> like pitch range, I guess. Yeah. I
3: don't know if that made any sense, but... No, yeah. I think we're we're all on board, I'm a
1: little arm. (laughs) I love Chopper. He's so good, (laughs) yeah.
0: I feel like Chopper's a little bit... Like, R2 in The Clone Wars, I think, is more expressive Mm -hmm. than R2 in the original trilogy films, anyway.
3: Yeah.
0: And also maybe the prequel trilogy, and Chopper, to an extent, feels a little bit like an extension of that, where... In the Clone Wars, I think they made R2 a little more um, active. I mean, all of a sudden could fly. Like, well, that was a, that that... an attack of the clones. As a, as a prequelist, yeah. I have to bring up. that Oh, was in the uh, On Geonosis that's and true. the Droid Factor was the first showcasing of his, his little jets there. Right. Had. So then the prequels kind of went in that direction, and then the Clone Wars took it further in that direction. Right. Um, and I, I have to imagine some of it has to do with technology, you know. Uh, Like, in terms of the original trilogy, Uh, R2, like, there's only so much that you can do with stuff, you know, then. Um, But at at the same time, sometimes I I feel like then R2 got, like, a little, like, OP, you know? (laughs) And and Chopper, since Chopper was always the way Chopper is, it feels more consistent Mm -hmm. to me. Like, a little less kind of, like, plot armor or just, like, can do whatever the plot wants.
1: When he was, like, struggling to take out the cannons... Right? Like, he's got his little phalange thing in there, and is, like, (laughs) dipping it around to shut down, like, the garbage compactors or to do anything that ever needs to be done. Um, and just, like, straight up can't do it, right? Oh,
2: yeah. So he's, like, foul. So, yeah, what do we call that? We have deus ex machina. What do we call it when the machina fails like this?
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's a good question.
2: Because that's, that was also a very good Part of this episode and the plot when you know the plan fails and they have to adapt a new plan, yeah, which was uh, for me kind of ridiculous. You know, like we're gonna hijack this shuttle that isn't very (laughs) well defended but also has weapons. Like, isn't this just a transport shuttle?
3: Yeah, that did stick out to me a little bit easier. It's like nobody ever has to hotwire a single vehicle. We saw it in solo in the opening sequence of solo, but other than that, it's just like you can hop in a cockpit and. You're pretty yeah. much good to go. No, they, don't,
2: they don't use
0: keys?
3: <laughs> I mean, they leave the doors
0: open all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know
1: yeah, that. <laughs> so. At least have, like, the thumbprints. Random
2: Boba Fett can wander in and take their armor back. <laughs> yeah.
0: It did feel like they probably could have just flown in and shot at them from the first place. Like, they probably didn't need all the... Be, because their workaround was so, like, oh, that worked? It felt like they didn't really need this whole plan in the first place, right? Yeah. So
2: instead of flying in with their shuttle and shooting at stuff, this they, they can hijack a shuttle that's already there and shoot at right. stuff.
1: Okay, but yeah. So I want to like circle back to what Paul said earlier about like grandmaster chess prodigies to like a fun little story that does tie oh. into this. I promise. So yeah. there's I was like watching a Twitch stream of a grandmaster play chess because Twitch is great. Mm-hmm. Um. And, yeah, he's playing against this opponent who ended up beating him, like, really quickly. And the Grandmaster is like, okay, I think he's on this strategy. No, no, he's on this strategy. No, he's on this strategy. He's like, wait, what, what is this guy doing? And he ended up beating the Grandmaster, and he, like, messages him. And it's, like, some kid who's been playing chess for two weeks and has no idea what they're actually doing. But just, like, <laughs> was doing enough things that the Grandmaster thought that he was on these strategies. So that's, like, kind of, like, what, um, was it Echo or was it Tech said Tech. to... Tech was like, yeah. Yes! They're also confused by you flying around and around and having <laughs> right, right, no idea right. what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. So Such it, a great like, line. Yeah, there's a little bit of that, like, beginner's luck in that maybe the, the, the troopers on the ground are expecting the people in this pi- in piloting this transport to be competent and mm. are very confused.
2: Yeah, and there's a tradition of that in Star Wars, but it was less annoying here than mm. in The Phantom Menace when mm. Anakin. Oh. Mm just like accidentally fires a photon torpedo like and blows everything up conveniently or anything this was much more deliberate but still erratic
3: yeah right that line that that tech gave stuck out to me as well because not not only was it hilarious but i kind of wondered is like tech learning sarcasm because earlier in the episode when hunter took down the probe droid and it just like landed flat he was like oh great a probe droid i was like that's so weird coming from tech of all people normally he's like so matter of fact just deliver the information as it is i was like he's getting a little bit of a
0: personality here it's usually super literal yeah
1: yeah oh yeah i, I didn't even pick up on that but you're right it's great sarcastic tech i'm
2: here for character growth
0: I, on the note of like um sticking up for droids and bots like Droids definitely, or bots, can definitely beat humans at chess, so... Oh, yeah. Uh, they certainly <laughs> excel. <laughs> that that would be my first suspicion when, when a noob beats, like, a grandmaster. is like, oh, they're probably using an engine. <laughs> yeah,
1: that, that could be, I guess, yeah.
0: Which, which has been a lot in the chess news recently uh, over the last couple of years, sadly, but... Um,
1: my illusions.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's not necessarily what that was. I, I, don't, I, I don't know the specific example. I have watched a lot of chess on Twitch, though, as well. Because it's, uh, it's it does really well on Twitch. Um, I, I wanted to circle back to the, the feedback that I think I mentioned in the beginning um, from, from BVK about um, being pleased to see Regs finally standing up to the Empire's treatment of the Twi'leks. Um, uh, like, do we think that this is, like, the beginning of a clone rebellion? Or is it more just, like, a kind of local thing? Like?
1: I mean, we have to get rid of the clones somehow. Right? Because, like, they're they're gone by the time right. we start a new home. Well, they course.
0: would age out, right, basically? Don't they age
1: oh, yeah.
0: super fast?
1: Not super fast. We see clones in uh, yeah. Rebels who seem to have aged right. a normal amount. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you're right. If they're not making any more, they would just be very old by the time of A New Hope.
0: I'm not saying you're wrong, though. Like, I, I I do think, like, something clearly happens, right? I mean, maybe they just discontinue the program, they get old, and it doesn't seem like the Empire would be like, oh, all these highly trained soldiers, yeah, you all just go retire. Yeah, yeah. It feels not very... (laughs) <laughs> the franchise has
3: a little bit of a tradition of revisionist history, so I it, I wouldn't True. completely be you know taken out of it if we found out that there was some mass extermination of a large contingency of, of clones that were revolting or something like that. But if we have Order 66 and that one just kind of like in this history and we were never touched upon it until this point, I would be a, a little scratching my head a little bit there, but uh, like I said... It, it wouldn't take me out too much.
2: Yeah, towards the beginning of this series, we had Tarkin making the economic argument against clones that's saying that they were right. too expensive. And I think this will probably be the catalyst for Rampart reporting to Tarkin and making this follow-up argument of, you know, th- look at how many clones, you know, laid down their arms in this situation. Like, they're not suitable for what we need, we need them to do. Yeah, I think that's a really good point.
1: Like, I know I've seen it mostly with Hauser, but, I mean, I guess he was the only clone he really got a whole bunch of FaceTime with other than Troop 99. Um, mm-hmm. But this idea of, like, the, the clones weren't, like, all-out baddies. And yeah, Order 66 got them to execute the Jedi, but, like we're seeing here, it didn't, didn't seem to affect much other than that. So theoretically, their, their underlying morals are still there, so I wouldn't be surprised by an all-out clone rebellion.
0: And, like, there might not have been any Jedi on Ryloth. So the clone troopers on Ryloth maybe didn't have that Mm -hmm. sort of... I feel like executing Order 66 is sort of like crossing a threshold into villainy in a way. Or into, like, doing something for the Empire that's, like... Like, just assassinating the people you've been working with or under for so long. Feels like, even if it was not... um, not something you did by choice. I mean, maybe you don't know it was a chip, right? But it's something you did, and then, or something they did. And, yeah. We've got the first-hand accounts from both Rex and Wrecker,
3: where they actively right. tried to fight against it. So, yeah, I have to imagine, like, if you were actively trying to, like, fight against something so fervently, and then you still had to do it, something would probably just break inside of you. And just going forward, you, you probably would lose some
0: a bit of your morality and humanity there. Yeah. Yeah, like, to me it feels like it would be something that would be hard to come back from. Because I think people often try to justify our actions, right? And so, doing something bad that maybe wasn't our faults, like, maybe makes us more likely to do that in the future. Just because we don't want to feel bad about the thing we did. That's fair. Totally fair. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can see that. And, like, killing Jedi being the gateway to the dark side is sort of right. like a well-established
0: thing in Star Wars Yeah, history. that's true. <laughs> 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 it's happened a few times. Yeah. Speaking of the light and the dark, uh, I thought the lighting and the shadows were so good in, like, particularly when um, Rampart is, like, standing back in the shadow and then, like, comes out into the, you know, the big square to, to address people. Oh, just, okay. like, you know, the, the uh, I don't know. I'm just very impressed by the, the lighting. In this show, like the animation in general, but lighting stood out to me as well. it wasn't that scene in
3: particular, but when tech was above the controls of, of the shuttle and just the the true mm. blacks that we had even on his silhouette and on the dashboard and just his face being illuminated by the the illumination of the of the buttons and whatnot as well as the outside environment just so cinematic so beautiful every every single shot always impresses it's worth just pausing any frame that you're on and just taking in all the details that's the quality of the show i agree
2: my favorite animation moment visual moment was the like the shots of the refinery Mm. at night Mm. i I just really liked that the the lighting effects there so i'm glad that they staged that attack at night just you know um it it makes logical sense but also just it was beautiful explosions Mm.
1: look prettier at nighttime
0: (laughs) very true (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I thought that scene looked great, and it also feels a little evocative of a particular part of Rebels, okay. where maybe they're attacking something that's a little similar uh, towards the end, uh, which is like a very significant moment for Hera.
1: Okay, yeah. It, it,
0: it kind of um, sort of evokes that feeling for me, which is, um, I imagine deliberate, given how, how much attention they pay to detail, I feel like. There is a little bit of a, I mean, it looked beautiful on its own, but also kind of brings back, you know, if you've seen Rebels, um, and then maybe if you see Rebels uh, down the line, then that'll bring back this, you know? Yeah.
1: I definitely, I didn't make that connection until you just mentioned it, but yeah, totally. And I think that's definitely on purpose, especially with the sort of like, like Riki had pointed out the callback title and just like Mm -hmm. dealing with these same characters for sure.
0: Yeah, like, I hadn't noticed it until Ricky mentioned how, how, you know, the look of it. I'm like, oh. Like, the look is, like, both just visually stunning, but also has this, like, emotional resonance for me now that I think about it. Now I want to rewatch. Uh, good thing I'm, like, halfway through the second watch, so now I get to just go and watch that part oh, and nice. enjoy it with that context. <laughs> Um, that's basically everything I have on my outline. Well, that's way more than I have on my outline, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) does, does anybody else have any, any points that they, they wanted to bring up that we haven't really worked in so far?
2: Well, I guess I want to talk about where we're going from here. You know, we said Mm. earlier that this seems to be setting up a final confrontation between the Bad Batch and Crosshair. Do we think, you know, Tarkin's going to make another appearance here in this series, how does Rampart play out? You know, is he one of those one-season villains that needs to die at the end of this, or will, will he somehow continue on in the Star Wars franchise and take on a bigger role somewhere? Oh. Those are the questions I have. Are
1: you hoping that Thrawn comes in?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> we got all excited I mean,
1: when we saw his office last.
2: I'm always hoping Thrawn comes in. And yeah, like there there were in the last episode when they're at uh Cham's, I believe, house. I think there are oh, scenes yeah. that take place there in Rebels and, and so I definitely yeah. noticed like similar architecture or rooms that that did get me excited. Yeah. But we don't we don't have to have Thrawn in everything. <laughs> right
0: i was looking for the little the the thing i forget what it was called yes that harrow goes for right but i i didn't see it but it, it definitely um this is a setting in rebels it's a setting in clone wars and uh yeah i, I would i wouldn't expect to see thron but i do expect we'll see tarkin i think we might see a scene between rampart and tarkin yeah or somehow tarkin coming in to deal with the you know, the clone rebellion, even if it's not really a rebellion, it's like three to five of them or whatever. I, I think that will be brought to Tarkin's attention in a way that we see. Um, I also imagine we'll go back and, and we'll see the Kaminoans. That, that's that got to kind of resolve to some extent, I think. But I imagine Rampart isn't... He doesn't seem to me like a, a villain who's going to, like, bite it in this season. Because, like, he's never in contact with the the protagonist, basically. I feel like the showdown is going to be Crosshair and the Bad Batch and them trying to, like, bring him back. And I think probably failing, but I don't know. That's sort of my projection.
3: Yeah, in terms of Admiral Rampart and whether or not he's going to be, like, a one-off villain or not, I kind of hope that he's not because the only way I really see that working in any kind of satisfying way is if he kind of serves the role of proto for Tarkin, where he's the one that's saying, you know, we should make the move from clone soldiers to conscripted soldiers, and then we find out those exact reasons why, and then Tarkin can kind of swoop in depose of him and be like, oh, that was my idea all along, and just kind of mm. continue yeah. to move up the ladder. Yeah. yeah. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be I don't know if we want to see that again since we've already seen it with but Yeah. <laughs>
2: What about Vader? Do we think we might get a Vader cameo towards the end here somehow? Because I've always been curious, like Vader uh, has his like stormtrooper group, right? The 501st, right? which he had, you know, Anakin had at the end of the Clone Wars. Mm. But we know like it somehow transitions from clones to conscripted stormtroopers. So I I wonder if we might get to see that and maybe, like, Vader's 501st is, like, the first of the new Stormtrooper. That'd be cool.
1: Yeah. And so do you, you think we're done with um, Fennec Sham and Cad Bane?
2: Ooh, no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> I
0: hope not. <laughs> yeah, I think when the Kaminoans circle back in, I think, at least Fennec, I think, will circle back in. Probably Cadbane as well, because, I mean, I would imagine they're both still retained for their services mm. uh, as they did not complete the mission. I mean, I guess Fennec succeeded in a way, right? Yeah. But,
1: well, she was kind of like, uh, call me if you need me.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. I take I,
2: guess, I take yeah. back my Vader cameo. I think we need the Boba Fett cameo. Oh, um, yeah. because That's been kind of like a long rumored, speculated thing of the Boba Fett Cad showdown. And kind Mm -hmm. of passing the mantle of the best Mm -hmm. bounty hunter. And, like, Fennec has to
1: meet up with Boba at some point, too, right? But that can be way in the future. How old is Boba now-ish?
2: Late teen, maybe? Early? Mid-teen? I don't know. Boba Fett, like, grew up a lot just during the Clone Wars, I feel like. yeah, Maybe some accelerated clone growth.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Omega in Season 2 is, like, a teenager, not, like... Mm. A year older than she is here, but are we uh, we getting
2: another season? Is that confirmed?
0: I don't know.
1: I mean, I don't think it's been confirmed
0: yet, but I would have to imagine. It's a
2: good show. I I like it. He's going to
1: milk that
0: cash. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, they could do more different types of animated series. You know, like season nine could be not the Bad Batch season two. It could be. I mean, like I'm interested in what's going on with with Vader during this time period, but. He doesn't feel connected to this story really in any way That's so true. far. So I feel like um, there could be like some post credit scene or whatever. But I I feel like Boba Fett is a much more I mean Boba Fett's been named right mm-hmm. or referenced and yes. and so I do I do expect we'll see Boba Fett maybe just like in a in a moment or something. And then if there are multiple seasons of this show then. I think would maybe become a, a more significant character, kind of cycling, circling like through and in and out of the plot.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of further seasons. Maybe, maybe it, like you're saying, a season nine of Clone Wars. How this is season right. eight, like season seven. We got the Bad Batch, but it was mostly like an Ahsoka storyline, and so then like season eight being Bad Batch, and then like getting a season nine of. Yeah, Darth Vader or some other character we were introduced to in Clone Wars who never really got that like bow put on them could be cool. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. So the so the Boba reference. I mean, they, when they were the Kaminoans were talking about Omega, mm-hmm. they were mm-hmm. saying that she was basically the last of the, I guess, pure or something genetic material from Jango Fett, and that's why she's Omega, like the last one. And they right. mentioned that Boba was the Alpha.
3: Yeah. Right.
2: Line. So, yeah if, yeah, if they need that genetic material for whatever, then Boba Fett should probably uh, be in the storyline because he could be another source
0: of that. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I just want to echo your point, Riki, from, uh, I guess, was it episode nine about kind of... I, don't, I also don't understand why Omega having Django's like... pure Like, what's so important about Django's DNA? Like... <laughs> being like specifically like oh this one person maybe it's like it's just hard to find someone who's so easily easily clonable or something i don't know but uh they i feel like they haven't really explained much of that so far yeah.
2: Um, and all it takes is like a few lines of techno jargon about cloning sure and like yeah. why only certain people are suitable for cloning
1: listen we've already mass-produced yeah. the suits so they're only gonna fit the <laughs> yeah same <time>. exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
2: these new clones are too tall <laughs>
0: yeah i mean it could be they tried like a thousand or a hundred thousand different donors and it's like they finally got one that worked and they're like we don't want to go through another hundred thousand donors to find another one who works yeah. we're going to use this it, it works well with our, you know, existing technology.
3: Well, um, we saw I, that abandoned Kaminoan facility on Bespin mm-hmm, in, the, mm-hmm. in the episode that had the fight with uh, Cad Bane and, and Finn Shanick, so or Finnick yeah. Shan, excuse me so it really makes you wonder how many of their own people did they experiment on before they perfected this process, sure. how many, I mean they're obviously cold and calculating, but how many you know, subjects are they willing to subject to this, this experimentation to, to get, achieve the result? Yeah. yes and what is the, the end, 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 end result
2: is it snoke uh, speaking <laughs> speaking of Sno- like speculation
3: <laughs>
0: it's palpatine right <Eventually. laughs> that's the final for better or for <laughs> worse because uh, if
2: it's all connected if it's all connected like on an mcu level i do feel like somehow we have to go from kaminoans to like palpatine slash snoke cloning yeah. nonsense
0: which is yeah, I'm fine kind with of a it groan, not but... being all connected on an MCU like level, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll take the Agents of Shield timeline or whatever, but um, or I'll take the Marvel, the Netflix uh, timeline. <laughs> um, I I do think Boba Fett makes a ton of sense though, as like not just a cameo, but like a, a character who is now integral to the plot, right? So Boba Fett actually showing up would make a lot of sense. Also, in December, Book of Boba Fett is coming out, so it seems like a really good marketing, tie-in, kind of self-promo sort of, you know, like, when the the Kenobi show is coming out, maybe then you have Vader show up, because you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have uh, Vader show up in that show, right, so i i think um i think boba fett makes all the sense for like all the reasons right now and i will now be surprised if we don't see him i'm like i guess disappointed i wouldn't have been disappointed before but now i'm gonna be disappointed
1: so. <laughs> that's good that's why we're here setting you up for disappointment
0: awesome thank just you. don't
2: believe in the mephisto of it all yeah right yeah. i just
1: i okay the if we're like throwing i want to see hondo onaka
0: yes oh that's who I thought you were going to say, Riki. When you're like, "Who we can see," <laughs> I thought you were going to go for Hondo, but yeah. I mean, Boba makes more sense.
2: Hondo is Hondo is fun. I, I would like love Hondo, he would but he's trained. not integral to like the history of Star Wars in a in a yeah. way that even Boba Fett is. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
1: that's fair, but he is for sure awesome. Yes, so
3: <laughs> agreed. Um, and, any other last things? I think we pretty comprehensively
0: covered this one.
1: and then some other stuff too (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) does anybody want to to plug their their things that that get plugged no just
3: take i'll take the opportunity to to plug my podcast it's part of the stranded panda network it's animation deliberation so that's one of the original reasons we started this partnership with star wars universe podcast uh, because we love to celebrate animated action series just like this so it's been a blast to cover this one, and we do have Masters of the Universe Revelations just around the corner, so we're going to be doing a primer episode on some of the standout episodes from the Classic series, so look forward to that and look forward to that new series coming out. Animation Deliberation, wherever you find your podcasts.
1: And I guess like we've teased it a little bit, but we're going to be talking Rebels on Star Wars Universe podcast sooner or later, so stay tuned for that.
3: And how many seasons is Rebels for? Five?
1: That's an excellent question. I think uh, four. Uh, five. It's four.
0: Okay, I think so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I was not certain enough. until you said five.
1: I binged. Well, we binged it, so it's like <laughs> it kind of all fades <laughs> together. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, not enough. I agree with
0: that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I recommend mm-hmm. Rebels. I look forward to your coverage of it. Maybe I'll I'll join it at some point yeah. here or there. I always thought I would for the Clone Wars and never did. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> maybe it's Matthew doesn't like editing uh, for. Person, I'm not, he always he always invited me, but um, we're just audio pers- fast, I'm about fine. to find out how how editing a four person podcast is, so we'll we'll see on that experiment. Well,
3: we do have we do have Ash in the in the chat is is letting us know for oh. sure that it is four. She she
0: gave it a Goog, so thank you, Ash. Yay, Goog yeah. gave it a quick Goog. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and it's it's like it's 15 episodes, 22, 22, and then 16 is the season length, so it's a little little deeper goog there <laughs> uh, but <laughs> um and i'm i'm also i'm looking forward to the the he-man coverage on that was like one of my favorite shows as a kid I think the second time i dressed up as, for halloween it was as he-cat Ooh, um cool. I, I identified with Cringer as much as as with with He Man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Zen Madman on on Twitch and on Twitter. You can find me there, and I do various things, including live streaming this podcast, which has been really fun. Uh, thank all of you for for joining uh, me and and we getting through this experience together. And to the people in the chat as well, um, thank you for the gentle trolling, Ashley. That that actually is like the opposite of trolling. I was expecting some trolling, but. Um, she said that, that Riki and Sarah, you're, you're too professional. So like, you know, what?
1: how are we too professional? Um, Do you want me to take down the I, screen and show you the horrors that are like <laughs> us moving our apartment?
0: <laughs> that would go a long way. I think, yeah, but I, I, I enjoy the screen. Um, <laughs> I, I could, I could work on my background myself, but, um, anyway, on behalf of myself and Sarah, Riki and Jay Scotty, as well as, um, our, um, host in absentia matthew um thank you for for listening uh oh and you can reach uh, if you want to send matthew emails like hey why did you let this person run your podcast uh, you can send that to the ethical panda at gmail.com and uh also give uh give them a follow on um what's it called on on twitch at the, you know the ethical panda so uh on behalf of us all um i don't know like may the force be with you or something and uh we'll be with you next week Paul,
3: real quick, I just want to take the opportunity to thank you. Thanks for filling in the host and for running the Twitch stream and just guiding the conversation. You did a a great job and appreciate you being here and and making it happen.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Paul. You all made it easy (laughs) for me. (laughs)